What's up, everybody? Welcome to the house of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast. That is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 138 are open. Uh, joining me on the show this week is once again, no one. Bryce is away. Uh... Don't want to organise guests because it's a funny time at the moment, but that's okay because once again I'll sit here and I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys about the uh, most recent Nintendo news and everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, I am I am just a little bit concerned that like you guys aren't <laughs> don't enjoy me just talking by myself. But at the end of the day, um, that's just unfortunately. Uh, what I have to do to get an episode out, but I I enjoy it nevertheless. So I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Um, so yeah, hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all doing what you need to do, whether it's staying inside, washing your hands, or going to work and working in a, whatever field you work. If you're an essential worker, um, personally, I'm still working. Fortunately, I'm happy to still have a job. Um, be in the fortunate position to still uh, make a bit of money to pay the bills. Um, basically, at the moment, it's a crutching season. Um, and if you don't know what crutching is, it's like taking the wool off a sheep's bottom so it doesn't uh, doesn't poo on its bum and uh, get fly blown. And then uh, if it gets fly blown, the sheep becomes sick and die. So that's what, that's what crutching is. Um, if you didn't know what that was, now you know. Very exciting stuff. Um, that's seasonal, so that's going to be ending for me in about two weeks or so. So um, yeah, I don't. And I've uh, lost my job at the pub because. Uh, Pubs are a no-go at the moment, so yeah, a bit, a bit exciting. But don't have to worry about that at the moment because we're talking about Nintendo. So this week we're going to be going over a fair bit of news, which is uh, stuff about Lego. Cooking Mama has uh, landed herself in a bit of trouble um, and much more. But to start off the show, I just want to talk a little bit about what I've been playing. Um, Nintendo-wise, been playing a lot of Animal Crossing New Horizons still. Uh, throughout the week, I just pick it up for you know an hour each night and do what I need to do, smash some rocks. Um, I've planted heaps of orange trees around the place and uh, been uh, you know harvesting them every three days, which is uh, making me about 150 bells each time I do it, which is uh, quite nice for the uh, bell bank account. But apart from that, I'm not really rushing it. I see a lot of people, whether they're time skipping or just putting so much time into it and playing it naturally, um, because I've only just got resident services to update. So I, I, at the moment of recording, I'm probably going to play Animal Crossing after I record this. But I haven't met Isabel yet. That's how sort of <laughs> lax I'm playing it. Because um, there was a long time there where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to uh, craft these items to make other villages move into my island. I'm quite happy with just my two villages. And I'll just go fishing. So that's just what I pretty much did. So I'm taking it very slow. Um, but I'm seeing some absolutely incredible cr- creations, what people have done just with uh, uh, being getting the permit to like really like craft your island. It's really amazing. And I, I'm looking forward to doing it. And I'm sort of like thinking about what I want to do. But at the moment, mine's just trees. I'm just making my whole <laughs> island an orchard so I can uh, keep paying stuff off. And uh, yeah, I still haven't found Philbert though. Philbert is uh, he's missing an action, which is uh, quite upsetting to be honest. Don't know when that, don't know where that little squirrel is. And I haven't seen anybody post a screenshot on social media with Philbit in there, which uh, makes me equally as concerned. I don't know. I know Philbit's in the game. I looked it up pretty much on launch. I'm like, is Philbit here? And uh, according to the Animal Crossing wiki 
Uh, Philbit is certainly in the game, but I haven't seen him in the game uh, as far as screenshots go. So I hope hope he's there. If anybody has him and doesn't want him, uh, let me know and I'll come to your island. I'll try and poach him. I'll say, hey, mate, do you want to come to my island? You know, I really love you, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm being serious though. I really want Philbit. <laughs> if you have Philbit and you don't want him, I'll happily take him off your hands. Um, and as far as other stuff I've been playing, it's been Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. I know it's not uh, on Nintendo. It's obviously a PlayStation exclusive for a year until it comes to um, Xbox One uh, next year by the by the seams of it. But I'm really enjoying it. I uh, I had no sort of relation with Final Fantasy VII at all. I've been meaning to play it on Switch uh, since last year, I think it came out April this time last year on Switch to port, and I've been meaning to get back to it and give it a go because I knew I was going to get into this game. So I was like, all right, I'll play the original. I just never got around to it. But playing this game, I'm once I'm finished with the remake, I'm definitely going to go back to the PlayStation One port on Switch. Uh, it's just so good. I'm not I'm not going to like uh, talk about it too much. But what really uh, impresses me is the battle system. Um, when I first started off, I was just like pressing square, 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 just hack and slashing and doing whatever. But once you really understand um, using your, whether it's your skills or uh, your magic or stuff like that, it's uh, really interesting how they sort of made what Final Fantasy VII's battle system was into a action game. Um, so it's really cool. So if you have a PlayStation, I definitely recommend going to get that. And it came out early in Australia, which was really, really a pretty cool it was really weird because everyone's like everyone on social media including people that are you know got quite big youtube channels and that and they're, they're sitting there waiting for it and here i am with the game you know about over a week early compared to those in america so uh the day this podcast goes live actually uh, final fantasy 7 remake will be out so um, if you're looking forward to it and you're just starting it up to play over this weekend, you're going to really enjoy it. It's uh, really fun. I've only just scratched the surface of things. I've only played about six hours. Um, but what I've played, I'm really, really liking. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much all I've been playing. I've been pretty busy at work. So, over the weekend, over the last weekend, I was playing Final Fantasy. And sort of just during the week, I just sort of once I have a shower and I put some YouTube on and I just play Animal Crossing for an hour or two. Uh, so, yeah, that's been my my playing. There's been nothing too uh, too drastic really it's just been doing that i'm looking forward to uh I'm, I'm i guess i am looking forward to work sort of uh um i guess going back to normal like going back to the farm and working there um rather than doing more physical work on you know other other farms and that but um it's, it'll give me sort of more energy to <laughs> play some more games i guess um so yeah so we're going to jump into the news i'm going to make this episode pretty quick well, as quick as I sort of can, um, mainly because I've, uh, you know, it's a bit late and I've got to get up for work tomorrow and yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I sound, I sound, I sound uh, it's really annoying because like during the day, I'm like full of so much energy. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this podcast tonight. It's going to be, I'm going to be talking about this, this and this. And when I get there, it's, uh, you know, 10 to 9 at the moment. I'm like, oh, I just feel so, so, uh. But uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get into some news, ladies and gentlemen. So let's uh, let's just jump into it. Is that all? I fight for my friends. My body is still. All right. So this uh, news article is from GamesIndustry.biz, and the title reads: The ESA will not hold will not hold a digital. 
E3 2020 event. And the article reads, it's official, there will be no E3 2020, not even online. In a statement that shared with PC Gamer, the ESA has confirmed that it will not be holding an online experience for E3 2020 as it is had or as it had originally planned with the cancellation of its physical event due to COVID-19. Quote, uh, instead, we'll be working with exhibitors to promote and showcase individual company announcements. Uh, said ESA representative. We will look forward to bringing our industry and community together in 2021 to uh, present a reimagined E3 that will highlight new offerings and thrill our audiences, end quote. Last week, the ESA confirmed to its partners that its next E3 event will be held uh, June 15th through 17th, 2021. Uh, meanwhile, IGN has partnered with several of E3's usual stable publishers, including Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, and Volvo Digital, to host a summer of gaming event in early June. This will include publisher uh, presentations and announcements. And to sort of back, uh, backpedal off of, uh, or to roll on with things as well, um, this is uh, IGN has a brand new sort of, a, sort of trying to take over what E3 was uh, doing this year and um, I'm not going to like stumble through their article um, announcing so I'm going to play a an announcement video on IGN.com with Damon Hatfield sort of going over what's uh, what's planned for their event this year. Mark your calendars everybody IGN is preparing a very special summer of gaming event with regularly scheduled programming. Dun, 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 dun. E3 may be cancelled, but IGN is partnering with publishers like 2K, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Devolver, THQ Nordic, and more to bring you all those big game announcements, gameplay videos, interviews, and reveals. Beginning in June, IGN will kick off an entire season of live broadcasts and on-demand programming with all the editorial coverage and analysis you would expect from IGN around major showcases like E3. We'll stream digital presentations and wrap everything with IGN's pre- and post-show coverage, developer interviews, game demos, hands-on previews, gameplay reveals, and reactions. Gamers from all around the world will be able to come together online, recreating the energy around the kind of game announcements we usually get in June. You'll be able to participate by voting on your favorite games and announcements. You can watch IGN's Summer of Gaming on any of our more than 20 platforms, including desktop, mobile, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Mixer, Twitch, Snapchat, Discover, TikTok, and more. You know, we've got a new generation of consoles kicking off later this year, and everyone is eager to learn more about what games we'll be playing on our shiny new boxes. This event will allow publishers to give you a sneak peek at what they're working on. We have more details to share in the coming weeks, and we're excited to bring you lots of big game reveals and announcements all summer long. Until then, stay tuned to IGN. Alrighty, so um, it's really, it is really exciting that uh, IGN is stepping in and sort of filling the shoes of what E3, uh, what their sort of online event could have been. Basically, you know, if oh, oh there's something else playing. <laughs> Uh, with what IGN usually do is they do their sort of live shows and in between press conferences, they've got interviews, hands-on and all that. So they're sort of like extending what they already do into, um, I guess, a digital event to sort of try and replace um, E3. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it will show some good announcements and all that. And it is cool that one of the biggest fears I guess I have, or not fears, but just like concerns I have, 
is that I really do enjoy that E3 brings publishers together throughout the industry. And now with what IGN is doing, um, it will have a, a designated spot for multiple publishers to come in and just showcase their stuff to an audience of people that might may not necessarily be interested. Because um, like I've said back in the day, like I might have come f- for Nintendo's press conferences, but I ended up sticking around for you know Xbox's conference where I'm like, you know what, I don't really care about um, the latest Call of Duty, which they always opened with uh, back in the Xbox 360 era and um, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that's, that's how I sort of got into more gaming, just like seeing other se- sections of the industry where I'm like, I like that. And I ended up buying it and getting into PlayStation or different genre of game. Um, and usually I, uh, I keep it like a good lookout for like something new, something that I'll put on my wish list that I'll be really excited for. I remember Tomb Raider one year was something I looked at and I was like, yes, I want that. Uh, Rayman, um, I think it was Origins at the time. Like, yes, that looks awesome. You just have like, you just like pay attention to what every publisher is doing and you like cherry pick from every single one. Whereas um, if they're all separate, I don't know if I'd go and check out a Ubisoft um, press conference if it was just randomly put um, any time of the year. Same with a EA press conference. I'm like, I'm not going to go and check out these individual things. Whereas I'll probably will be drawn to say, obviously a Nintendo one or a Sony one, or um, I'll at least check the bullet points for an Xbox one type of thing. But yeah, it is cool that they will be sort of all in one place and E3 will be returning next year and uh, it'll be around my birthday, which is always fun. <laughs> That's why I love it. It's such a, it's such a great month, June. I actually love it. Like it's nice and cold here. You come home, you got the fireplace on, um, and you know, catch up with Bryce, check out all the announcements. It's usually my birthday, so it's a good excuse to get out some Captain Morgan or some a nice drink or something, and just enjoy gaming and enjoy um, enjoy winter. So really good. Uh, looking forward to seeing what IGN do. I usually check out their their coverage most years. They really do wrap it all up um, with interviews and all that, um, along with kind of funny Giant Bomb do an awesome job. They do like behind the scenes or behind the not behind the scenes, but they do like a podcast, which is like three hours long each day. They just get random people to come in. A lot of it's like, you know, there's Phil Spencer. He always comes on every year and it's just a, it's really interesting. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, I'll, uh, we'll move on to the next news story. So this is one that was, uh, put a bit of controversy up during the week and it, it finally got resolved. And, uh, this is from screen rant of all places. And this is uh, exclusive, so Cooking Mama Cookstar eShop <laughs> Controversy Explained. So just to sort of catch people up on, um, Cooking Mama Cookstar was taken off of the Switch eShop just randomly and um, there's a lot of rumors going around and sort of fake news or whatever that the game had a, a cryptocurrency in it, that it was using the Switch's GPU to <laughs> mine cryptocurrency to send back and it was uh, just a... just it was a bit of a head scratcher, but um, I read the article. So one developer has spoken up about the rumors surrounding Cooking Mama Cookstar. Recently, the game had launched on Nintendo Switch eShop, but was quickly pulled without any explanation, leaving many players who had been anticipating the title feeling confused. Later, rumors began to circulate that Cooking Mama Cookstar was mining <laughs> cryptocurrency, including allegations that running the game would cause people's switches uh, switch consoles to overheat. 
A Cooking Mama Cookstar would have been the first game in the Cooking Mama franchise to appear on the Nintendo Switch with the last five games in the series being released on the Nintendo 3DS before that the Nintendo Wii. The game has yet to reappear on the Nintendo eShop. According to one developer, it may not return at all. Recently, Screen Rant was contacted by a member of Cooking Mama Cookstar's development team who wanted to speak about the current controversy surrounding the game. The developer, who wishes to remain anonymous, uh, dismissed the rumors of cryptocurrency mining. And this is a quote from the developer. The statement about cryptocurrency was all buzzwords. The head of Planet Entertainment knows very little about these things. He just put some fancy language to get potential investors who like that stuff. As for the crashes slash overheating, that would be because the game is made in Unity. Many uh, by many people working on their first game. It's not the best product, but it made it through several vigorous reviews by Nintendo and Sony. There is no way uh, crypto mining stuff could get through those tests. I doubt anyone at 1P would even be able to make such a thing. End quote. The developer also revealed the reason Cooking Mama Cookstar was pulled from the Nintendo eShop, stating... Uh, there is a legal battle between the publisher, Planet Entertainment, and the IP holder, Office Create. According to the developer, this is because Planet Entertainment released the game against a request by Office Create uh, to keep um, polishing the game or perhaps even cancelling it. There was clearly a lack of com communication between the publisher and the development team. As our sources describe, this kind of behavior is pretty standard. Uh, at one point, the Japanese official uh, create clients came to overseas development. Uh, an arrangement uh, started and the client were told to go home if they weren't being <laughs> constructive. Uh, once they found out that uh, Planet Entertainment released their game, they, they used their Nintendo contacts to pull the game from the eShop and stop pr production on cartridges. Um, overall, everyone at P1 loves the Cookie Mama franchise and did their best to make the best product con uh, considering the interference from the higher-ups. I think the game is far from perfect but would have done fine without the publishing stumbling um, uh, stumbling constantly. Uh, when asked about whether the game <laughs> was released without letting the team know ahead of time, the developer replied, quote, It's hard to say. We were told the game was coming out in March. That's all anyone knew. The boss at P1, uh, Toby, keeps that kind of thing to herself, mostly stating she doesn't want to stress <laughs> us with the details. Uh, advertising was blocked by Office Create 2. There were YouTube ads, websites, and even TikTok ads that never came out. Uh, the future of Cooking Mama Cookstar remains uncertain as the developer ended um, by saying, as I understand, Planet Entertainment is suing Office Create have, uh, having it removed um, for money lost. It's hard to say uh, if it will be ever re released properly. Um, yeah, end quote. Uh, it's a shame Cooking Mama Cookstar may never see the proper release date, especially after hearing about how the developers worked so hard only to have their product pushed into the public eye before it was, it was completed. 
It is nice to put the rumors of cryptocurrency mining to rest and hopefully all the effort put forth by these developers will eventually see the light of day, but only after the game has been completed and Cooking Mama Cookstar no longer runs the risk of overheating Nintendo Switch consoles. So yeah, it was, um, wow. So that's the end of the article and it was, uh, it was just a really crazy thing to sort of witness over the week, mainly because it's a Cooking Mama game and um, Cooking Mama is probably one of the franchises that you would least expect to be a part of such a such a controversy. And the idea of uh, when people were saying that the game is being used to mine cryptocurrency, um, it was just a really weird thing because you wouldn't expect the switch of all... Uh, uh, consoles or computers or machines to be the target for something like that because it's just it's just a you know it's pretty weak hardware compared to you know the the computers that uh, a lot of people use to mine cryptocurrency so it would have been doing it at such a slow rate that I don't know whether it would have even been worth it but um, interesting nevertheless uh, so yeah if if you can find a physical copy of a Cooking Mama Cookstar at a a local retailer, whether it be EB Games or JB Hi-Fi or something, I would say go and buy it because um, the printing is so limited that uh, the game is selling for about 150 to about $250 on eBay at the moment from what I've seen. So if you see a copy in the wild, uh, buy it. You might be able to spin it for a, a quick buck. <laughs> All right, so moving on. This is from uh, pressstart.com. And this is about the Lego Super Mario starter kits and expansions. And they've just got a release date. So the uh, the article reads, After being announced a little while ago, Lego has announced that Lego Super Mario and uh, Lego Super Mario starter kit and the two expansions will be released releasing on August 1st. Pricing has been confirmed for the starter kit in Australia and it will set you back uh, $89.99 from Lego's official store and you'll get... Uh, two smaller expansions for free. You can grab it here, which is the link. Um, the first two expansion sets have also been announced and priced. The Piranha Plant Power Slide expansion will set you back $49.99, whilst Bowser's Castle Battle expansion kit will set you back $149.99. Jesus Christ, that is a... Big, it is a big expansion. So it shows uh, the Bowser expansion and it's like Bowser's castle. And I don't know, like when I thought about Mario Lego, obviously back years ago um, before all this was now. So I, I imagined like like a really impressive uh, thing that I wouldn't be able to resist. But sort of what they've done, they've they've got like a cool hook on it that it's actually gamified and Mario's got, you know, his eyes are screens and his stomach's a screen and you're able to actually interact with everything and collect coins and everything. Uh, but it, it really doesn't uh, interest me all that much. And, you know, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. I don't, you know, if, uh, if Lego doesn't appeal to me, I don't think they're, they're necessarily trying to, but yeah, it's, it's something that kind of just surprised me because I thought I'd be like really into it, but, uh, yeah, I'm not so much, but yeah. Um, and also just like uh, the Bowser, the Bowser's castle being 150 bucks. I don't, I like, I don't pay any attention to Lego. So I assume like all the Star Wars kits and everything are like super expensive as well. Um, 
Yeah. But the Star Wars the Star Wars kits, they actually look like a lot of fun to put together. That's what I was really uh, looking forward to when they announced Mario Lego. I was like, oh, big castle, a big this. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems, yeah, this is like little play kits to actually interact with the level. And I'm sure kids are going to have a really great time with it all. So, um, yeah, I hope uh, hope it's all fun. I see uh, there's a few people on Twitter who have already put their pre-orders in that. Oh, <laughs> I'm stumbling from my words. Um, I see people have already put their pre-orders in and I hope everyone enjoys it but gets it. And I'd love to hear hear about it all. Um, yeah. So Animal Crossing's got a patch and basically what uh, what's happened in the patch is they've uh, lowered the rates of the the bunny day eggs that you found you find f- through uh, fishing um, because it was a bit ridiculous it wasn't uh, <laughs> that much fun I'm just going fishing again get an egg okay cool get an egg all right get a crappy fish okay um, it was funny <laughs> so I noticed that the other day actually there's a there was a patch for Animal Crossing when I jumped in and I was like oh what is this do and I checked online and yeah, cut those goddamn patches. I mean, those goddamn eggs, which is which is good. Um, but you'll get be easy to get eggs on uh, April twelfth, which is uh, actually Easter. So if you're looking to actually catch up on some eggs that you need to uh, finish off, finish off some recipes you've got, you'll be able to do it then, which is a uh, good, I guess. I've uh, I've been collecting them, and I'm just going to like do a big. Uh, craft where I just like craft them all. Um, I'm not that worried though because all I think everybody kind of agrees, but all all of the bunny day stuff looks a bit a bit whatever. I'm not really into the the whole aesthetic, but the collection aspect of me goes. All right, you you want this? <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a bit of a swig of water here. Got a bit of a dry throat. I'm starting to like skip through my words and that's because my tongue is about to fall out my mouth. It's going to snap out my mouth actually. Mm. Ugh. Delicious. All right, so this article comes from Nintendo Life and uh, the title is The Pokemon Company Threatens to Permanently Ban Players Who Dep- Deliberately uh, Connect From Battles. So last week, news surfaced about an exploit in Pokemon Sword and Shield on Nintendo Switch, which allowed players to disconnect from competitive matches right before their opponent could take out the victory. This also stopped players from losing or gaining points. It seemed the Pokemon company has now confirmed all of this and has decided to issue a stern warning to players who abuse this bug, explaining how it could, or how it uh, will not hesitate to temporarily or permanently ban individuals from online play. And this is their statement. We are able to confirm that a number of players have been disconnecting f- from the internet to manipulate their win-loss records from online battles and tournaments. From now on, if we determine that players abuse this bug for their own gain in online battles and tournaments, we will not ho- hesitate uh, to permanently ban or even permanently ban players from access uh, accessing online play in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And that's the end of the assignment. Uh, in a short space of time, this exploit became a well-known bug within the competitive Pokemon scene on social media. One video demonstrating how to disconnect from a match even had been viewed more than 50,000 times before the bug made headlines. So, um, first of all, if you're doing that, that is, that is pretty crap. Like... Um, there's, there's a lot of exploit, or there's a fair few exploits in Pokemon Sword and Shield. They you have know, through changing the the days, the the time, 
sort of uh, manipulating sort of uh, raid battles to get what you want. There's like there's a pretty extensive um, exploit to um, get 100 shinies, and people are hosting shinies whether it's on Twitch or just with their friends, and um, their friends will catch the shiny Pokemon or the desired Pokemon they want. And then the host will restart. They can start up their switch again, and then bam, the shiny's there. The friends can come in, and they can basically uh, catch unlimited shiny Pokemon. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. That's a, uh, it's kind of a pain in the ass to do. So if you want to sit there and and do that, that's fine. If you just want to farm shinies, um, but when it comes down to actually like doing a Pokemon battle, and um, if someone wins fair and square, and just like the other person just exits out, and they don't get their win because of that. Uh, that is crap. <laughs> so if I, yeah, this is a. Uh, it's good that Pokemon Company has made a very stern stance on this. That you will be banned because it's awful. Um, there was actually there was a Pokemon battle I had where uh, I was using a Lantern. I was versing a, a Rotom. I forgot what it was. I think it was a Rotom Heat. So it was a, it was a yeah Ghost Fire type, and I think that well they they use Thunderbolt on me, but Lantern has the ability Volt Absorb, and <laughs> so I basically, oh no! What they did is they vault, they vault switched into my lantern because they wanted a, they wanted to do some damage on me and to switch into another Pokemon that uh, wasn't going to be really weak to my Pokemon. So he used he used Volt Switch. Uh, my ability absorbed their move, so he didn't get the switch. So the Rotom was still in play, and I was able to um, Hydro Pump and just knock it out straight away. And as soon as that happened, they just quit the game. <laughs> It was really funny. It was a, uh, it was absolutely hilarious because they just got absolutely schooled because they didn't understand. Well, because Lantern is not a common Pokemon in uh, the competitive scene, so they wouldn't have seen one before and sort of understood what its ability is. Yeah, it just made me laugh so much. But um, they just exited the battle, so I didn't get a win. But it was funny enough. But it didn't matter. But if you're at the end of the battle and it's like, all right, I lose, bam, you know, go to the menu. Uh, that sucks. So yeah, that's good. So uh, new, this is from a press start. So New League, <laughs> Unique Low is releasing a 35th anniversary Super Mario collection. Uh, Unique Low has announced that it's releasing a new collection to celebrate uh, Super Mario. Oh, before I start to, Unique Low is a clothing brand. So this is for T-shirts, <laughs> just for those who uh, don't know. Uh, the collection ranges... Uh, features a range of T-shirts from old school Mario down to the latest Super Mario Odyssey design, as well as a number of other characters from the Super Mario franchise. As it stands, the set is to release in uh, the US and Europe tomorrow, but isn't listed in Austra- on the Australian site yet. Each t- T-shirt will cost roughly $22, and as you expect, um, it would make its way down to Australia at some point. So... Obviously, you won't be able to see these, but they're pretty cool designs. They actually released a bunch of Nintendo designs, um, I want to say, a couple of years ago. And when I was in Melbourne for PAX, I went to, I uh, don't know what store it was, but it was uh, one that um, stocked Uniqlo um, T-shirts. And I bought like a bunch of them. They're really cool T-shirts. I got like a this just white T-shirt with like a, um, a chest pocket and like there's a warp pipe coming out with like Mario's head. And there's just like, it's just kind of like a subtle designs for the most part. Um, I've got like a, just a bright red shirt with like pixel Mario, like sort of striped across it. And 
my mum was actually like, oh, that's a good shirt. I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's got like, Mario there. She's like, she could not see Mario <laughs> over it. It's just like, it was hidden just well enough, but you can see it if you look at it right. Um, so, yeah, I definitely uh, recommend going and checking out these T-shirts if you're if you're interested in uh, some of these designs. If you're like me, you've probably got way too many uh, pop culture T-shirts, If you know. <laughs> but these are a bit different too because they come in different colors. Most of mine are just like black with a, a said design on it. I'm actually wearing a, um, a black kind of funny T-shirt at the moment. Uh, so, yeah. All right, so next news story. Uh, so this is from Nintendo Life and this is for the uh, Japanese sale charts. So Animal Crossing New Horizon surpasses Mario Kart 8 Deluxe lifetime physical sales, uh, which is which is absolutely crazy um, because we all know uh, the juggernaut Mario Kart is. So Famitsu's Japanese, uh, Japanese chart figures are now in for the 30th of March uh, to uh, the 5th of April. Uh, revealing that Animal Crossing New Horizons is still having a wonderful time at the top. The game sold an estimated uh, 4,023,000 uh, copies in in the region last week, taking its Japanese physical sales total to just over 3 million. Amazingly, this means that just after three weeks on sale, New Horizons has already surpassed the lifetime physical sales to- total achieved by Switch's evergreen giant Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in the country. Animal Crossing's uh, third week success also keeps it at uh, number one uh, in the sale chart, comfortably holding off PS4's big release this week, Resident Evil 3. And it has a, a list of um, this week's um, sales. So Animal Crossing is at number one. And apart from number two and number three, which is... Um, Resident Evil 3 on PlayStation 4 and One Piece Pirate Warriors 4 on PlayStation 4. The rest are all Switch games, which is, um, you know, quite impressive for the platform that it's got eight of the the, the top-selling games in Japan for the week. Um, uh, the others being, so starting at number, number four is the Switch version of One Piece Pirate Warriors 4. Number five is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Number six is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number seven is Pokemon Sword and Shield. <laughs> number eight is Minecraft. Um, number nine is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. And number 10 is Ring Fit Adventure, which is uh, still going strong. And it's uh, gaining even more traction because of you know what's going on and people being stuck inside and needing uh, some physical activity. But yeah, it's uh, Animal Crossing still going strong. And just... We're going to get a financial results very soon. I think on the 11th of April. So we're going to be getting them next week sometime. And just keep in mind that just physically, not even counting downloaded, um, and I would say downloading is probably the most um, preferred way for Animal Crossing just because it's like you pop in, you pop out kind of game. The sales for this are going to be incredible worldwide. It's just, I, I know Japan is a, pretty much the target demographic for Animal Crossing just because of it's a pick up and play gameplay and being on a portable and all of that but my god these sales are going it's going to be I can't believe it but it's going to in the first uh, month it's going to smash 10 million I feel like with uh, worldwide sales with physical plus um, download copies it's going to be absolutely unreal 
And it's also got another little tidbit here that uh, the lifetime sales of Nintendo Switch in Japan is a uh, 11.1 million, which is a big, you know, that's a big percentage of the worldwide sales for Switch, which is roughly about 50 million. And uh, underneath it is a PlayStation 4 at 7.4 million. Then the PlayStation 4 Pro is actually separate at 1.4 million. So we knew before that the Switch is outsold the PlayStation 4 in Japan, but um, it's outsold selling it by quite a bit. And it was released, uh, was it three, no, four, four, oh, uh, roughly three in a bit years after um, PlayStation 4. So that's a that's really impressive. Uh, Obviously, Japan's very much catered towards mobile handheld games and um, PlayStation 4, just with uh, the games, I guess, Sony tend to create, aren't sort of, uh, they're not really aiming for Japan anymore um, for the most part. But yeah, still really impressive to see. And <laughs> actually, I didn't read this before, but Xbox One S is a 21,000, then Xbox One X is a 19,000. Oh, God. Poor thing. <laughs> Poor Xbox. I really do wish Xbox was more successful in Japan. I'd love to see Xbox just um, really take off because because I, I guess, uh, you know, competition's always good, but they're just having such a hard time just uh, catching on. Even with even at their, like, uh, E3 um, press conferences where they say, this is like, these are the Japanese games coming to Xbox. And Phil Spencer, I think he's... I think the team there are really trying hard to sort of win Japan over still and uh, get Japanese games on the platform. But yeah, it's, uh, it's disappointing to see. I hope uh, I hope things uh, pick up for Xbox with a uh, Series X um, at the end of this year. Because uh, to be honest, I'm a little bit swayed that way, but I don't know. I'll save that discussion for another day anyway. So this is this is the big one that landed last week, which I literally just missed after recording last week's episode by myself. And uh, that's kind of why I left the episode so late this week because I'm like, I may as well try and scrape up all the news I can because I know I need something to talk about (laughs) by myself. But um, so this is heavily rumored and it's taken with a huge grain of salt. Um, But yeah, I'll get into it. So this is from venturebeat.com and the title is Nintendo is making 3D Mario remasters uh, for his uh, 35th anniversary. So the Super Mario series is turning 25 this year and Nintendo has big fl- plans for the plumber's birthday. That includes updating and bringing back most of his iconic games for Nintendo Switch. According to a report from Video Games Chronicle, Euro- uh, Video Games Chronicle, full stop, uh, <laughs> Eurogamer is backing up that report and games beat can as well. The core of the report is that Nintendo originally planned to focus on Mario's 25th anniversary at E3 in Los Angeles in June, but organizers canceled that event due to the spread of the coronavirus. Nintendo is going to going ahead with that promotion and it will likely hold a direct style event to promote all the details. That includes info on remasters, a Paper Mario game, the upcoming Mario film, and Universal Studios Super Mario World theme park. Uh, and uh, this is a, oh, this is a, oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, quote, we have nothing to announce on that topic, a Nintendo spokesman said in a note provided to GamesBeat. 
for the remasters, our source is telling us that Nintendo is pursuing something like a Super Mario All-Stars 2 for the 3D games. This would include Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and then Super Mario Galaxy. It is likely that 3D World may get its own separate deluxe-style release, while it is possible that older that older 3D Mario games could come in a single compilation. It's also likely that Nintendo will release them individually as it did with Zelda Remasters. I reached out to Nintendo and will update if the publisher responds. I guess uh, I guess they did and they said nothing. Um, this is for the Paper Mario game. In uh, The Paper Mario game, meanwhile, represents a return to that franchise's roots. That means something closer to the Nintendo 64 and GameCube games, which are beloved, and leaving behind the baggage of the more forgettable entries in the Wii U on the Wii U and the 3DS. Finally, expect Nintendo to fill out Nintendo celebrations in other ways as well. This could mean even more in Mario games on Nintendo Switch Online service, uh, subscription service, for example. Nintendo wants to make the Switch a great system for Mario fans, and we should start to see that soon. So just to start off with the fact that this is a rumor, you know, take it with a grain of salt. This is obviously very exciting if this is real, um, but take it with a grain of salt. But what makes me sort of lean towards the side of it, this is probably real and going to be a real thing, um, is that the last few rumors just around the Indie Direct and the Nintendo Direct Mini, the dates for those were, were correct. Um, so obviously there's, uh, some information getting out of Nintendo somehow, whether it's just journalists asking or someone inside leaking it or whatever, it doesn't really matter, but that sort of makes me go, okay, this is probably, probably real. Um, but as, as far as, uh, if it is real, I'll be absolutely through, I'll be through the moon. <laughs> Oh man, um, I'm getting all my like sayings and that mixed up, but I'll be absolutely so excited about a Super Mario, especially a 60 Mario 64. If that, if that game comes out and it's just like widescreened and made HD, that'll be cool. Like, okay, I won't be that excited, but I'll play it. <laughs> but if they like remake Super Mario 64 in the, like say the Odyssey engine and you can play the game and whether they uh, whether they add in sort of the stuff they did with the uh, DS port with the characters and the uh, 30 extra stars, I don't know. I really enjoyed the DS port. I think it was really good, but a lot of people sort of didn't like it because it used the D-pad instead of the analog stick, which was pretty much the bit of that controller that game was designed to show off, which is <laughs> kind of ironic. But when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't really care. Well, I didn't actually, I didn't care at all. I didn't really notice until I got older and I started listening to podcasts and people said, oh, you know, I never played it because it had a D-pad. I'm like, oh, well, that's a shame because that was a really good port with uh, some really cool abilities for every character had its own ability. And uh, you can play as Yoshi. I mean, come on. You could play as Yoshi and I said, I said Yoshi. I always used to say Yoshi when I was a kid, but I guess it's Yoshi. Everyone says Yoshi. So now I got to say Yoshi. I don't know if I'm wrong or that's an American thing or that's how you do say it or whatever. doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, Super Mario 64 would be absolutely fantastic remade. I, I would be through the moon if they were to do that. Um, Super Mario Sunshine, that's the game. Like I've uh, said this hundreds of times, but I didn't have a GameCube growing up and I've gone and you know, I've downloaded on uh, emulators 
to look all nice and HD. I've bought it and played it on a <laughs> on my like actual GameCube. But I just uh, I've never really sat down and given Super Mario Sunshine just I guess the attention it it deserves. Um, mainly because I'm I'm always looking for like the next next thing. And there's always something to get my attention or whatever. But if they remake it and sort of like fix some of the camera pl- problems and make it just look beautiful, widescreen, HD, maybe even like completely remaster it in Mario Odyssey engine, that would be really cool. Um, so I'll be absolutely through the moon. So that would be like a really good opportunity to finally experience Super Mario Sunshine um, somewhat properly for the first time. And uh, Mario Super Mario Galaxy, that is a, a perfect game. That is... Mario Galaxy 1 and especially 2, those are games where I'm like, they are perfect. There are other games I absolutely love where I'm like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's not a perfect game. Um, for example, I absolutely love um, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. I think it's an amazing game, but I couldn't point to it and say that is a flawless game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but Super Mario Galaxy, that is that is a perfect game. And... Um, even just a simple port, it'll be really, really awesome to have on Switch. Um, if you remember, the game was ported to NVIDIA Shield, I think like a year or two ago, um, to be sold in China. That was sort of Nintendo's first hurrah into um, getting to the Chinese market through the NVIDIA Shield. And as we all know, the NVIDIA Shield sort of works on similar um, hardware to Nintendo Switch, obviously the uh, Tegra X chip is in the Switch, so it's all very, very similar. So I was sort of like waiting for these Wii ports that came to the NVIDIA Shield to eventually come to Switch. So I don't know whether that's going to be this or it's going to be remastered. Personally, I'd love to see them remastered. That'll be a lot more exciting. If they're just all simply ports, you know, that's cool. We get the opportunity to play them again on on a handheld Um or even just on a HD TV, like Super Mario Galaxy, just as it is in HD. Really nice looking game. It's just really pretty and vibrant. It's a, just a fun place to be. Um, but I've been listening to a, like a few podcasts and whether it's news articles and that. It's like, how are they going to handle the uh, the motion controls from Mario Galaxy? And Mario Galaxy, all it was was a shake. And you do your spin, which is just replaces the punch from the other games. And using the pointer controls to like move from bubble to bubble or do some like quick mini game or whatever it is. And you'll be easily be able to either use, use the joy con. It won't be as accurate as the pointer controls on the Wii just because it doesn't use the infrared and the motion sensor. Um, or I, I would imagine it would be, just be simple enough just to use the second stick um, and just use that. I don't think it'll be a big deal at all. Really. If, uh, if there's a bit more sort of uh motion control used in Mario Galaxy, maybe. Like, if then it's not Wii Sports, you know. The hook of the game wasn't the motion controls. It just, uh, it kind of needed, really, Mario Galaxy, it needed the motion controls because you jump with A on the Wii mote and the B button was used to uh, shoot star bits with the pointer control. It, 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 like, it didn't really need it or anything, but... Like, you didn't really have a punch button right there. You couldn't, like, stretch your thumb down to the one or two buttons. Using the D-pad would have been just pretty poor. Um, on, on the nunchuck, too, you had your the C button was for the camera and the Z-trigger was for crouching and long jumping and all of that stuff. So um, the easiest option was just to flick your wrist. And that worked fine. I think that was really good. But 
Yeah, I don't think there's uh, too much. Um, I guess just back to the Super Mario 64, because that, that, that'll be the game I'll be most excited for. Um, that is... Probably my favorite Mario game. I don't really know. I'm I'm really t- I'm really tied between the Galaxy games, Super Mario 64, and uh, Super Mario World. I don't know. They're, they've all got like certain qualities which uh, I absolutely love. But when in this this is spoilers. Yeah, spoilers for Super Mario Odyssey for the for when you finish the game. But when you go back to the castle and like that music started and when I felt like when you first spawn in and you see the castle in the background, I just like my jaw just dropped. Is it was a moment in gaming I don't think I'll ever forget. I'm like, oh my god, I get to go back to the castle. <laughs> and I just like ran there, went in, and just explored everywhere, explored everywhere around. I just absolutely loved it. And going down to like the Boo Garden, and the graphics of Super Mario 64 are still like there like it's it just the game changes to like super mario 64 graphics but just hd and looking pretty i think that was really cool and even if they do that with uh with this super mario 64 port i won't be upset i think that'll be a really cool way to do it um i know a lot of people are thinking like you know sort of move it into the mario odyssey engine and make it look all nice and that but i think i no don't get me wrong i would prefer that but even if they like do like something similar to what that room was in Super Mario 64. I think that'd be pretty cool. And maybe that room in Super Mario 64 was like, not Super Mario 64, in uh, Mario Odyssey, maybe that was like, hey, this is a little hint of uh, a couple of years' time because we're just planning on getting these uh, remakes out at the moment. I don't know. I think that's just uh, that's a really pie-in-the-sky idea, but who knows? So, yeah, really looking to really hope these things are real because, oh, my God. I would love it. I would love it so much. So we're going to, this is going to be, we're not, this isn't going to be a, you know, a direct in a month type of thing. As the article says, it's going to be uh, a Nintendo direct a bit around June um, where they're going to do a big Mario blowout, which would be cool. And like the paper, I, I haven't talked about the paper Mario at all, actually. Um, as far as paper Mario goes, if they move back to what paper Mario is all about, which is just an RPG, great characters leveling up, um, getting items, different weapons, um, have it like a really like great adventure game pretty much with a great story. That's excellent because the last two games, I bought Sticker Star and I'm like, eh. <laughs> like the, the whole sticker thing where you're not even like leveling up and you don't really have any incentive to like really keep going and like Color Splash. I know Eric Zush loves that game, but uh, not many other people really seem to like it. And I never, I never really... um bought it because it came out in 2000, 2016 and I was like, yeah, I don't need that. Don't need to play the Wii U anymore. I'm a bit, uh, a bit over it, but yeah, really, uh, really stoked for a new Super Mario. I really, uh, God. Oh, yep. I think I need to finish up the episode. <laughs> My mouth isn't even working. Uh, so yeah, I'll finish up the episode. <laughs> Hope this is real. Give it to me, Nintendo. I'll spend my money on it. Um, I guess there's one thing as well. Like, people are saying that it's like a collection. Like, as much as I would love them to come out and say, all right, Super Mario All-Stars 2, like, how epic would that be? How epic would that be? That would be absolutely amazing. Holy shit. I'd be through the moon. 
not only because it's just, you know, a sequel to one of the greatest packages in gaming ever from the Super Nintendo. Um, it's just great value as well. You're getting like um, just excellent games from one of the most powerful franchises in gaming. It's just be phenomenal. Um, but we know Nintendo. Can you see them doing that? I personally, I can't. I can't see them un- unless they are just like, all right, they're ports. Here you go. It's like, are they really going to put all the effort in to remake at least two games and like do some pretty serious work to Super Mario Galaxy and put them all together? I don't know. I can't. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard because you, like obviously they remade Wind Waker. That's a that's a full price game. They remake lots of games and just put them out piecemeal. So I can't really see it. But it would, it would really be cool because with All Stars 1, they redid the art styles for all of the games to make them all look the same so they're all synchronous together in one package. So it would be cool to have the same for these three games, which is just all all of the same graphics or models or whatever you call it. Just say say they all look like, all use the uh, Super Mario Odyssey um, engine. And it's just like, so Super Mario 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy all look the same, pretty much. They all share the same art style across all three games, like the original All-Stars did. I think that would be really cool. Actually, I think that would be on cool. Holy shit. <laughs> and if they release, like, a custom Switch, um, which is, like, an all-red Switch, like, I'll, I'll be all about it. And, actually, now that I say that, I've been sort of, like, when they announced the Switch Lite and there was no red, I'm like, hmm, why is there no red? Maybe they're holding a red... Switch Lite Mario console for like this to really like push the Switch Lite and hopefully do like a the original Switch as well that I put a really nice uh, bundle for that out as well. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking thinking off the top of my head because um, I can think, but uh, not much is <laughs> not much is coming out. Anyway, I will end now. Thank you guys very much for listening to the House of Mario episode 138. I know uh, this episode was pretty pretty rambly and all that, but I definitely, like, I was actually, I was laying in bed. I was like, oh, maybe I just won't do an episode this week. Maybe I'll just leave it. But no, I want to I wanna keep going because if I want to create a podcast and now with everything that's going on, just like, all right, it's too hard, stop. You know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be a podcaster. So no matter sort of how hard it is, no matter how co-hostless I am and uh, all of that stuff, I'll keep doing it. I'll keep doing it because, you know, I, I, I love doing it. I absolutely love doing it. Um, I just uh, quite often I want to do it to the best ability I possibly can. And when it's like late and I'm tired, it's not going to come across like the best quality that I can. But it's uh, it is it's going to be what it is, I think. So if you got to this point, thank you very much. And uh, I hope you have a, a great week, a great weekend. And I'll, I'll see you next week <coughs> for an episode, hopefully um, with someone else, hopefully. Oh, even if I'm not by myself, I hope I'm just like a bit more awake and my mouth my mouth works a bit better. So if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter, at iDruby. You can follow the show at The House of Mario. And uh, this week's Nintendo Jukebox is by Retro Spectre. It's a Super Mario 64 Bowser's theme remix. 
And uh, I think it's a banger. I think it's really good. I really love Retrospect, uh, Retrospector. He does uh, great work. And we've uh, shown off quite a few of his remixes. He's fantastic. So here we go. Until next week, everybody, the doors to the house of Mario are closed. Catch you later.